You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. Episode of Cure to Consumption. I am your host, Lance Lambert. Welcome. Definitely excited to have you here this week. And I've got a phenomenal guest. I know I say that all the time, but really to catch up with these friends, especially those from around the world. Um, this individual, we go back definitely a few years, uh, been to a couple of good shows together. I will say that. Uh, and um, he's just so passionate about the plant, you know, also a fellow advocate and has a lot of insight on it. So without further ado, I would like to introduce out of South Africa, Michael Rossley. Welcome to the show, Mike. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a real honor to be even considered to be on any show. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sorry. man, <laughs> I thought I was modest. My gosh, this is why we're friends. I know we're so humble. <laughs> no, man, it's, it's great to have you on. And, you know, our listeners, we have a, a phenomenal uh, listening base, uh, you know, both live via podcast and um, you know, this is perfect timing. I think I shared with you, I jumped on, for those that don't know, internationally, we always keep up on WhatsApp. And uh, I had shot Michael a note saying that I was working on my latest article for uh, MG Magazine back here in the States. And um, I'm doing a coverage of international. And my first stop is the continent of Africa because I feel so many people don't acknowledge what is going on there. Um, for some reason, I don't know why the news cycles and even just specifically in niche pub within our category, I'm not speaking of mainstream, um, you know, they love covering the Americas. They love covering South South America, a little bit of Central America, definitely North America. We've heard enough about Canadians <laughs> for the, over the last three years since they legalized. Um, and then we hear a lot about Europe and even to a certain extent about the APAC or Asian uh, Pacific market, but nobody really talks about Africa and what you guys have going on there. And for those that, that don't know, I mean, you're talking about a continent that has a population of over a billion versus 330 plus million in North America or 750 plus million in Europe. Um, so this is a large 54 states or 54 countries rather, I should say. And, um, you know, you're down at the Southern tip. And one thing I've quickly figured out, and maybe Michael, we can talk about this a little bit. I'm excited to jump into it is, um, you know, in South America, I think Colombia has been identified as that epicenter. In Asia, Thailand, uh, in Southern Pacific, say Australia, uh, you know, in Europe, go different ways. You know, it could be Germany, you know, it could be Spain, depending on if you're looking at craft and culture or medical movement. Sure. Um, but for you guys, it, it really, I keep coming back to South Africa and I'm kind of curious to talk to you because there's others. I mean, I know there's the uh, Republic of Congo and I know more recently in the news, uh, Morocco, but I know Zimbabwe and, and several other, I think about nine or 10 countries in all that have either legalized um, or decriminalized, but at least, you know, allowed for production and distribution or production and consumption or, um, but it all kind of comes back to South Africa is maybe you can give me a little, is it because of so many land races coming out of there or because you guys are kind of the leaders in banking on that continent? What, what is it that everything comes back to South Africa in this industry? Absolutely. I, th I think the, the banking thing makes a big difference because that gives stability. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if business is going to happen, it, it needs to happen within a stable environment. If it can't, you know, cause one, one, one lot can come in and destroy everything. So South yeah. Africa has a very strong uh, constitution. So to get things through there, it's not so easy. So yeah. I think that plays a big role in, you know, why things happen yet. 
and that's maybe half of it <laughs> but the other yeah. half of it or well, well, actually the full of it is the, the plants that we have and the yeah. climates that we have the variations and you know you can you can be in uh, a desert and within an hour you're in a jungle you know we've got yeah, such crazy. variations and climate all over the place yeah, I think um, people don't realize that, man. That's you guys are kind of like Colorado for us here, where you have the low desert, the high desert, the mountains, the the plains, um, you know, or the Serengeti, whatever. You know, you guys have different terms, but um, you guys do from a topographical, and it is it is beautiful there too. I know from from the Cape up, it's just a phenomenal country with the right climate, uh, because some of the more common cultivars that you're known for, I would say Durban poison. I have to say is number one. I mean, it's a, it's a sweet and fruity plant that's very resilient i think it takes about 85 days to flower but still it's an awesome uh, awesome cultivar as well as a swazi gold uh, but you've got several others i know there's several other other legitimate land race we're not just talking about you know trendy triangle strains like what you see come out of of northern california but these are land race strains that were born and raised in your backyard right and that just influence i'm guessing that fuels the movement being so predominant there absolutely yeah. And it's, it's so interesting because there's so many different variations of Durban poison. So yeah. what you know is a Durban poison and someone else knows is a Durban poison could be slightly different. You know, yeah. there is an overall, this is Durban. Everyone has, you know, well, I don't know if everyone has had exactly what, but most people who've had it will know yeah. that, that was yeah. Durban poison and it's a very unique high, that's for sure, if you know the real. And you're right, that we, we talk about this all the time domestically. You know, uh, the two most popular uh, strains, I'll just use that name because that's more the general public knows. You know, two of the most popular yeah. strains over the last 20 years have been Sour Diesel and Blue Dream. And everyone's like, oh, what about, you know, Girl Scout cookies? And what about GG4? And, and you know, what about wedding cake and ice cream cake and all these trendy, again, kind of the trendy triangle things? It's like, no, if you factor yeah. the last 20 years, I know because I had access to that data at Weed Maps, it's still, to your point, it's Sour Diesel and Blue Dream. But having said that, so many different iterations, right? Because even just people don't understand, even being backbred, you're you're creating a different iteration from a chemo standpoint. You know, uh, yeah. you're creating a different iteration of that plant. So pretty crazy, pretty crazy stuff. It's, 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 completely, it's completely wild. If you, I mean, you could become a, a breed, and it takes time to breed. It takes a long time. Yes. But if yeah. you wanted to look for variations, um, and I'm I'm busy doing a pet project where I took some flower which um, was naturally pollinated, uh -huh. so it was a feminized seed. Yeah. Um, and I've run from one flower all of those seeds, and every single one of them is different, but like radically different. No way. So from one plant, I've got 19 oh my <laughs> different gosh. iterations. And obviously now I'm choosing which are the best ones. And, you know, yeah. you know you, you've got to flower them out and then you've got to see what the yeah. yeah. But <laughs> that's just an example of one. <laughs> that's know? crazy. And that's, and I'm with you. I mean, I just pop some seeds and that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand is, you know, it's one thing to get clones and clippings. That's cool. You know, but for guys who really are trying to track the genetics and, and really trying to see what that that different iteration is going to be or variation is going to be from from each iteration. Like you said, it takes time. Like I'm looking at these little girls I've got, you know, you call them girls, sorry guys, but the, you know, these little seedlings, 
I'm like, man, already I'm seeing just with the first round of nodes on these little on these little gals, <laughs> I, I'm seeing different kind of styles and different, you know, oh, well, that's really interesting. Normally the nodes come up a little more rounded than, than pointed like they are on this one versus this one. It, man, I really geek out and it's it's crazy. But I think it's funny because, again, you and I both, I remember you came out. So for uh, to, to catch up our viewers, you know, Michael's been over for uh, MJ Biz and then stayed for Emerald Cup. So you got to see the two, you got to see the suity suit, the white collar kind of button up, you know, version of a show. And then you got to see very much a grassroots where I grew up, you know, Northern California style show. Um and too radically different, but I, I could tell you're geeking out when I introduce you to people like like Johnny Ray from Ray's Farms, because um, he did an experiment with me. I don't. It wasn't the year you came out. It was a year prior, and he always brings down. We're mason jar guys, you know, old school. And he brought down a box, so a dozen mason jars, and he took three of them out and he puts them on the table. And he's like, you know, check these out. So if, what, what I do, like pop the top, you know, smell, yeah. actually smell that head on it, and then take it out, squeeze it, smell it, you know, all the rest. And I'm like, this one, I like this one the best. And he's like, it's crazy. So these are three clippings from the same mom. Uh, they were all wedding cake. That's wow. a, he's, he's a big Mac guy, but he also, he loves his cakes. There are three wedding cakes, man. And he did um, indoor Dutch outdoor. And of course, <laughs> this is how old school I, I picked the outdoor. Like <laughs> It's like, I just know there's something about the, out, I love the pheno that comes out of an outdoor because there's so many variants. And, and at times I'm jealous of friends that, that grow in closets indoor because they have such a controlled environment where I'm like, oh shit, it's going to hit 95 degrees today. What's going to happen to the trichomes, you know? But it's interesting how they were so, they, to your point, they look different. They literally even obviously post takedown, this is post cure and aging, um, the, the colors, the, the frost, I mean, everything, the, the whole profile of them was very unique. And that was just the way and where they were grown to your point, yeah. you know, it's just, there's so many different, we could geek out all day. Um, but, but definitely fun Food stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. Feed the plants. Uh, that's where craft, I think that's where craft will come. Yeah. That will be the big thing in the future is that like, you'll find someone like has learned how to do like for instance in in there's a blue cheese here in south africa and there's well there's many different variations but for me there's one right <laughs> i haven't been able to find that one for many years but i keep if someone has blue cheese okay please yeah <laughs> please yeah let me try it so so you're <laughs> so you're like me at northern lights i'm like i'm such a, a northern lights guy which it's heyday was by far the nineties versus the two thousands. Sure. But yeah. uh, man, like finding that one Northern lights or that Acapulco gold, you know, and that's, sure. uh, we, we talk about the strain hunters and I know you're friends with, with them. And um, I mean, I love, that's what they geek out about. Like, is this legit? Like, is this, you know, going back and then getting into geeking out with tissue cultures and all the rest of it. There's so many different ways you can go, but well, kind of getting into this, this is a good segue as well, because you know, in this article I'm putting out, you know, for those that don't know, when you're writing an article, it's like, it's like writing a book report. You have to do all your homework and you have to check your sources, validate your sources, all the rest. So going through all this and, um, I'm not saying I know everything about anything, but as far as individuals in the industry, I'm the one that's normally recognized to be more in touch with the, the international and the global movement. Having said that, you know, coming across how long ago prohibition started, I, I know we've talked before, it was like the 1910s. Um, and then officially like 
on the books by 1920, it was, you guys were pretty much done. And for us, it was 1937, so we're a little behind. But I thought it was interesting finding about, you know, what happened back then, which we can get into, and then and then where things have morphed to today. So um, is it correct that you guys still kind of have the loophole? The, the, you all still recognize it from a medicinal standpoint, from a religious standpoint, right? Uh, even during Prohibition. That was, a, that was something that was almost kind of like exemptions, if you will, right? Out there? Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the, the traditional healers have never stopped using it. Yeah. And, and cannabis, if you, is actually, so as we, it's, it, it was, you know, illegal, but you could find it on every corner on any street in the country. So yeah. it's it very, very well, accessible. You can always find it, but the quality is. Well, is, right. <laughs> yeah. That you, you've taught, we can get into that really quick because from what I've heard, and not just you, you know, friends, again, that are uh, based out of specifically South Africa, not just Africa. There's several countries, again, like we discussed that are um, tied to cannabis, but that it was almost kind of a something that was kind of frowned upon, right? Or something that's kind of looked down on. And it was very inexpensive too, because, but to your point, the quality, like that's us talking about brickweed from south of the border, right? So it kind of had this reputation for some time, didn't as a, I, I don't pronounce it right, but Dacha. D a g g a, Daha. Am I getting? <laughs> See, we we need to keep up more often, man. You're. I'm gonna. I'm gonna learn Afrikaans sooner or later here too. <laughs> but yeah, right. It was. It was a different mindset than what you know. Even coming over to the states and exp- or you going up to Europe and seeing what it is. Right. It was just a different. It was looked at a different way. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was really frowned upon. Drastic, like it was one of the worst things. If you did Dacha, like you were going to jail, and you, you know you would, you, the end. That's the end of your life. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and in those days, well, I mean, you still did Dacha anyways. Yeah, because that's that's the whole thing about prohibition is what they did is they said. So your parents came to you. They said, "Don't smoke Dacha." So they just told you how to do it. <laughs> Come on. That's a, we just had that conversation, Dare, which a friend told me, I try to avoid Dare like the plague, but a friend told me they just pulled, you know, the anti-cannabis uh, educational information out of their program here, you know, and that's the big, that's what we grew up with. That was right. And I had friends and I were talking about that. I was like, I didn't know what it smelled like until the dare officer came. And I don't know what he lit in the room, but it was something that he kind of emulated the smoking of a joint from a two liter bottle, you know, drilled a hole in the cap and then put, it, yeah. it was a joint for all intents and purposes. Like that you joint. <laughs> and he did the whole fake puff and then everyone smelled. He's like, this is what marijuana smells like. And I still wonder to this day, I'm like, was that hemp or was that like, what were we smelling real weed? Did they really let fifth graders smell real weed? <laughs> Dude, the 80s were whacked. That's all I got to say. Um, but I think it is, to your point, like it's interesting how it's almost looked like as methamphetamine or something like one of those just dirty, bad, you know, bottom of the barrel type drugs in, in specifically in South Africa. It's just crazy because it's natural. Yeah. It's, it's a, I know some people don't like the saying it's just a plant, but you know, you don't have to mix it with gasoline to make a drug like you do cocaine. Let's let's call a spade a spade. I mean, it's it's a pretty natural thing that you don't have to, you know, don't have to do too much to. So, having said that, you know, one thing we've talked about before in talking about neighboring countries and what's come online. I mean, your focus isn't just South Africa, right? I mean, you're you're reaching up into other uh, areas uh, of the continent uh, with regard to this. So, how's that been, and and how you know, 
again, just how, how do you flow and, and keep the continuity and keep track of everything in that regard? It's, it's, it's a tricky one to keep, you know, track of everything and, and what's going on in every country. Lesotho is a, a very interesting one. So they, you know, it's a landlocked, they're within the borders of South Africa. Yeah. Um, and that's, they've, they're medical, important export of cannabis. Um, but, you know, they obviously don't have recreational yet. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they'll go that way. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's a, that's a very interesting one just because of the, the position of Lesotho yeah. and the water that they have. So they sit on the Drakensberg Mountains, which is, you know, the South African side. Yeah. Um, and they get the snow, which creates this incredible water, which that water then feeds back into South Africa. So there's agreements, gotcha. and, you know, um, so that's the closest, the closest one. And then Swaziland also. Yeah. Uh, that right. is, what's happening. I mean, Swaziland is basically, it's, it's run by the king. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Swazi gold comes from Swazi land and that's, you know, a very famous, I think they, they yeah. move a lot of, <laughs> there's <laughs> a lot of flour that comes by a donkey. Oh my God. <laughs> into it's, uh, let, let's say how much. So you people, uh, United Nations has, um, it's a UNODC, which is division of the United Nations that uh, tra essentially tra tracks the drug and crime globally, right? They said in 2005, um, of all the metric tons in the world, 25% comes out of Africa. And I thought that, and I'm sure it's probably shifted now with the legalization movement, but like a quarter of all cannabis produced on one continent. You know, that to your point, that's a lot of donkey rides, but man, it's what put Swazi Gold and Durban Poison and Ethiopian and all these other uh, cultivars that are indigenous or land race to that area of the world on the map, right? Because they're they're exporting even before legalization. So <laughs> yeah, they just carried on. <laughs> yeah, they just carry which is not too different than I gotta say California. <laughs> it's like some people just keep doing what they're doing. So well, that's crazy, man. Well another thing I came across and this really surprised me and, and I know a lot of people, you know, they definitely always associate um, coffee shops or clubs with Amsterdam. And ironically, half of the shops have shut down over the last several years uh, in Holland just because of some of the things they've been, Parliament's been battling through. They're, they're another Commonwealth um, similar to uh, South Africa uh, where you actually have a Parliament. So things move a little different than than what we're used to here in the States. But, um, you know, I, even I have to say I sound naive. I thought I was a little more in touch, you know, I'm definitely familiar with the social clubs in, in Barcelona, you know, being a member of HQ. And I always love that vibe because you go in and they've, for those that drink, not me, but, you know, for those that drink, there's a bar in the front, there's a dispensary in the back, uh, there's footy on the, on the TV screens, there's, uh, you know, schnooker or uh, billiards tables. Um, and you've got everything you can get food, you can chill. Um, I did not know that there were social clubs in South Africa. So I know that you guys, you, you decriminalized in 2018, which was a big movement. I recall us, you catching up with me on WhatsApp and sharing literally part. I mean, the, I think it's the head of parliament that was standing up there and said that we're, and I was like, holy shit. Like I knew being some kid from California, I knew how huge that was for your country, man, which is why I'm so thankful you shared it as a friend. Um, and then I know they're past, like, like you said, there's a bill, um, you know, that's, that's out right now as of 2020, they don't think anything's going to come into fruition until 22, 23, um, to 
kind of further establish what legalization looks like. You know, keeping it private, but how how much you can possess and how much you can grow and et cetera. Um, these clubs, though, have you been to these clubs and how's that work? And, and how's it similar to a club in, say, Amsterdam or in Barcelona? So the, I think that the, the beauty of the club is that it's a private space. Yeah. So yep. every club will have its own constitution and rules. And so, you know, they'll all be different. Yeah. And each will suit a specific market or you know so a specific clientele um which i think is fantastic but the problem with the club model is that you have to know someone to know someone right so, so just like barcelona right so yeah it's more than a secret like, knock <laughs> you need to have is. a friend to refer you essentially is what you're saying or a sponsor as it's often called uh, for them to even get their foot in the door that in there exactly okay there's no way of advertising that you've got um, a, a really powerful medicine that helps, you know, arthritic people sleep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. You, can't, you can't advertise that fact. So, but your customers become your your mouthpiece, which is which is great. So once you supplying it, I, I guess what is nice about it is that it's organic growth. Mm -hmm. So you're getting these clubs that are forming, and then it's you know next minute they're booming. It's, it's gone crazy, but, but you know they provide the right service with the right atmosphere, the right um, environment, and food and coffee and nice. everything that you want. You know, there's the little grow stores, and there's people that will then help you grow your plants. So then they come in, they buy the nutrients, they buy whatever they need to take it back home. Um, so it's a it's a community. So they nice. formed these little communities all around the place. How to keep track of all of them is nearly impossible. Oh gosh! <laughs> so they'll just they'll just keep on growing and growing. But you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily help. We we I mean, it works beautifully, but it's not accessible to everyone. And that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's that's I think one thing that. Um, again, kind of surprises me because it sounds very similar again to, to Amsterdam where, like you said, I had to be kind of sponsored, you know, by a friend that lived over there to join HQ. Um, but it's, it's not, there's no monetary exchange for the flower per se. Like we pitch up yeah. to almost like a co-op model, right? Like we pitch up to, um, to being a member that all gets pooled to go towards the grower. And then the grower, obviously the reward for that is being able to be supplied the flower as being a part of this community. But man, I support that. That's, you know, I, it, it's almost like the, the literal application of the good vibes mentality of, well, if it's someone that you endorse and someone that you believe in, then this is something that is, you know, an ideal opportunity to bring you into. But if you're bad vibes, if you're not good people, then we don't want you to be associated with this community. So it almost makes more sense for it to be that way to, you know, actually bring on, uh, you know, a fellow individual that wants to be a part of that environment. So definitely interesting stuff. Well, kind of getting into some of the other, you know, as far as what you have going on, um, what you still, you can't walk around with it. You, you, you can't have it out there in public. Um, so do you have some people yeah. that are underground? I mean, I have friends, we have mutual friends in Australia and Europe. They're just, they smoke anywhere. Like they'll walk down the street. Do you have people that are kind of um, a little anti the man, if you will, that just have that mentality of just, I'm going to do what I'm going to do? Yeah, absolutely. But 
I mean, it's it's been done in South Africa for for years already. So it's it's you know, I've we, you've always been you smelt dacha on the streets. You know, it's not something that's un, uncommon. You don't, you don't smell the beautiful sweet blue cheeses and yeah. <laughs> wedding cakes and whatnot. <laughs> you can smell dacha from a long way away. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so it has been, but for the most part, people do keep to themselves. They don't. Um, especially like with these social clubs, you go into the club, you sit there and you can smoke and that's, that's brilliant. Um, we don't know what the rules are. So, you know, if there aren't any rules, then you know, they have to, they just make up their own rules. Right. Yeah. And that's, that that was the thing with, with, yeah. Out of sight, out of mind, right? That's I know that's again picking on Barca is like as long as people, you know, people, the government, <laughs> I guess law enforcement, as long as they don't hear, see it, hear it, smell it, except like as long as it's in the privacy of the dwelling, whatever that dwelling is, yeah. then it's kind of like okay, we're just gonna leave it there. So, when interesting. Yeah. So for those wanting to travel to South Africa, so you know, it's it's there, but it's not like you know it here or other places. So. Uh, but a great place yeah. to visit anyway. Like I said, it's beautiful and what you all have going on and in the movement. Yeah. Um, so what? So kind of moving forward, you know, post – we're moving forward from the pandemic. I think you all are, are still kind of working through it a bit as well. How has that put a hamper? Because I remember – and again, you're always great about sharing. I love this. You're one of my friends in that international space. It always kept me uh, up to date with current events uh, in your backyard. But I remember you doing a trade show in uh, down in Cape Town and then one up in Johannesburg. All of that, I'm guessing, got put on hold. Like all of the kind of movement, if you will, on the street kind of got paused over the last year, year and a half. Um, how has that affected, you know, kind of, again, moving forward with this bill that got presented in, in 2020? Do you think that's going to stall it out for a ways longer? Or Absolutely. I think there's, there's no good news there. Um, you know, the COVID has... It's wrecked everything. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, basically you know everything is now focusing on one thing, <laughs> trying to get rid of COVID. So, yeah. But that's not how it obviously is going to work. Life has to carry on, and we have to move forward. And the longer we take in this, the more we're going to lose. Yeah, um, because you know the, the way it's going on. If you think about how much we've lost already just through prohibition. It's quite a scary thing, you know. Every yeah. time someone who's been growing for twenty years and they've collected a bunch of material to, which is the next medicine of the world, and police come kick down the door and you lose all that genetic material. How much does humanity lost? A lot, you know. So we're yeah. sitting squabbling over laws. Yes, there's medical, so you can get dacha from your doctor, you know, and then they they register you through. Um, SAPRA, which is the medicines board, and oh, okay. then SAPRA then says, "Yes, you may take dacha." Wow! Um, so that's another way to do it. So you can, but then it's a whole registration process. So that is one way that, and it's that's specifically uh, import products. So only through medical, wow, um, through you know. Medical Canada's outlets. Americans. Yeah, that's what I was say. I know that yeah. South Africa's partnered with, yeah, with Canada, and I think to a certain extent with Germany maybe as well, which is, <clears throat> again, kind of interesting. I think that'd be like 
having your wine imported from Italy to Napa. <laughs> like Napa has its own Appalachias in regard to producing some phenomenal Chardonnays. Why would you get it shipped all the way across the pond to be able to consume something that you can grow in your backyard? And I think that's to your point. I mean, it gets back to the politics, right? And, and you know, I personally, I've always liked kind of that Commonwealth approach because it's a good balance, I feel, of kind of Western, you know, a little bit more of the capitalistic, but still having that balance of, of a Commonwealth with Parliament and everything. But sometimes it just goes slow, right? I know sometimes, like you said, politics just get in the way, and we talk about that all the time here. If not for the war on, on drugs in the heavy, heavy push uh, around D.A.R.E. back in the 80s, 80s and early 90s, there's so many genetics that have not been lost. I still hear the stories about, oh, in this raid, we we lost this mom that we had kept for 11 years, you know, to be able to, and I mean, obviously there's only so many cycles, but I get what they're doing. They want, at least from a tissue culture standpoint, be able to keep those genetics in some form, right? Yeah. And so I agree. Yeah. It's sad that politics have really put a hamper on, um, you know, what we have access to, you know, how we consume it, where we consume it, when we consume it, why we consume it, all those things. But then, like you said, you know, how much it's really influenced. Like us, we moved away from the gassy and the, and the, the really pungent uh, cultivars up in Northern California because that's how oftentimes they would find, you know, a, an operation in, in, in Act of Raid was because of the, the smell. I mean, and I have to admit, I drive up the highway still to this day on busy, like 405 and 101, like busy highways you've been on here. Uh, and I can smell it. I know I'm driving past a grow, man. <laughs> they do not do a good job <laughs> scrubbing that air. And I'm like, well, no wonder that everyone started taking it indoors or taking it under hoop and, and started finding the less gassy and the less punch, you know, things that had suppressed terpenes and, you know, maybe higher THC, but, you know, less terpenes and flavonoids, which really rounds the true high off, you know. So, again, interesting how that affects over there. Well, man, it's definitely good stuff and and... Um, I think with that would be curious, you know, what's next for you? Are you, you're continuing to expand onward and upward, right? Yeah. I just carry on, eh? What, what opportunities present up, look at and carry on. I mean, Bovida needs to be in everyone's hands. That's one thing for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and at the end of the, we, there's going to be a lot of cannabis. I see the future of this is that a lot of the world's cannabis is going to come from Africa. Yeah. So I'd have to agree. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. Just the cost of production and whatnot is, uh, you know, with our sun, it just works incredibly well. Hemp is a bit of an issue. And that's, I think that's going to become a bit of a sticking point because they want to introduce hemp laws into uh, South Africa. But like, didn't, didn't you just do that in, <laughs> you banned hemp? <laughs> yeah. You don't want to mess the high THC. Yeah, and it's uh we've we, got that high THC. I know. We've we yeah, it was a 2018 farm bill and it's interesting because the people assumed, oh well, that was the feds and you know, USDA, which is different from FDA, you know, USDA, so who manage the crops uh, here domestically, you know, they said yes, hemp is legal, but they were talking about from a textile, <laughs> not from an FDA or from a human consumption standpoint. And so everyone just went and started planting crops. And they didn't understand that each state, because we have the federal and we have the state and then we have county, city, um, and they didn't understand the state actually had to implement their own hemp program. So there are some states that are like rocking with, with 
THC flower, Colorado, Washington, et cetera, that even they were a little slow to get the, the framework established for hemp. But to your point, a lot of guys that were growing had hot crops because, yeah, ours has to be under 0.4% THC content, which is so minute. I mean, you're not even really getting a true entourage effect for delivery at that point. But it has to be under 0.4, and people don't understand that the, um, the plant really, it morphs and it adapts and it evolves. And so there are guys that were planting, and because of whatever amendments or soil or nutrients that were being fed to that crop, they turned into what we call hot crops because how hard is it for something to go from 0.4, just naturally, it, it's iteration to go from 0.4 to 0.7%, say. And then they're testing out. And if they failed, they, they had to destroy the crop, which is even sadder because I would think they go, well, let's pulp it, you know, let's let's push it to textile and, and put it in an iteration that can't be consumed, like, you know, paper. No one's going to, by the time it gets through the process, no one's going to roll up a piece of paper and smoke it. <laughs> so yeah, we've had some challenges, but it is odd because I had, and I think I might have mentioned to, this to you, man, um, a gentleman had reached out to me via LinkedIn uh, looking to sell off uh, some hemp crops out of South Africa. And I was surprised. I'm like, why is like, we're dealing with our own. Uh, there are farms, man, that produced hundreds of tons in 2019 that are still sitting in, in, you know, land sea containers or barns um, that for now, I mean, now all they can use them for is textile, right? I mean, all they can use them for is, is just for, you know, commercial use. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, we went through that whole thing and is, it kind of shocked the industry a little bit and they had to kind of bounce back and now they're trying to, um, you know, figure it out. So uh, it's definitely one of those things where it's, it's been a bit of a challenge for us. And I think the international market, it'll be a little bit of a challenge as well. Uh, so I'm curious to see where that comes in. I am also, I'm excited to see more of um, the genetics. Because to your point, I, I totally agree with you, Mike. I, I think um, once, and I know who the World Health Organization, uh, who's pro-cannabis, has been pushing the UN um, to at least be uh, less regulatory. I won't say they're, they're pro-cannabis yet, but... Once federal comes around for us, I know that's a bit of a watershed for, for Europe and to a certain extent, you know, Africa and other areas and regions in the world. But uh, I'm curious to see what that international landscape looks like because I totally, I totally agree with you. You guys have a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, latitude to be able to grow. And, and, you know, just naturally, like you said, the resources that you have are so uncorrupted, unlike... I hate to say it, Colombia, where the U.S. was actually going down there in partnership with Colombia, and we're talking decades ago, and dropping Asian orange on the crops to kill them, and that's still in the ground. And here, this is a plant, you know, we talk about this all the time, you know, it's a phytoremediating plant. So it pulls all those things from heavy metals to, to chemicals out of the land, which is why they were cleaning up the, the fallout from Chernobyl with, you know, planting hundreds of hemp plants. Um, so I think you guys do have more... Uh, in the motherland, as they say, or specifically the rainbow nation that is South Africa. I think you guys have a perfect climate and a perfect foundation to be able to be one of those big players on the export. Totally agree. Which I'm sure you're keeping that in mind for, for business models in the future, right? Absolutely. I like that. <laughs> for me, I just love to look at different flower. So I get to yeah. see lots of flower, which is fantastic. I'd love to be able to have access to the lab so that I could test all the flower that I saw. But anyways, I like to see it. I know what's good and I can see, you can smile, you can taste. Yeah. Um, 
onto the hemp thing, the, the problem with hemp here in Southern Africa is like mostly you're going to have hot crops all the time. Yeah. Hemp wants to be dacha. Yeah. You know, yeah. Wants to. It's just naturally. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's the, yeah. Obviously the latitude and how the, you know, the, the rays, I don't know if it's UV. Definitely UV, UV helps. Yeah. Definitely helps with the yeah, THC so that, production. Like, yeah. Yeah, it just goes up and up. I mean, like your old Durban poison is like 33%. You know? That's crazy. It's the, the high. But the, the problem is you don't get the, the full thing. Like you've always said, you know, the, the engine and the steering wheel. So yeah. the, all the weed that you used to find was like brick compressed and, you know, been through many hands, many boots, many trucks, many. Um, and by yeah. the time you get it in a matchbox and you've got your flower, it's really strong, but gives you a headache within half. You so it's manic, half an hour is best half an hour you've ever had. Really hungry, yep. massive headache, must sleep. <laughs> and, <laughs> but the quality is now coming. But that you know that flower was incredibly potent. Yeah. But you take that and you do the right things, and you, you've got yourself an incredible experience. Yeah. Um, and that's a, some of the friends on the call that we did together on, on seed to social on that series. I liked where the guys, to your point, you know, cause I do, I use that analogy all the time being a gearhead. I'm like, yeah, the cannabinoids are the engine, but the terpenes are the steering wheel. They're the ones that really steer the high and make it that true experiential or else your, your head's just in the clouds, which, uh, I think we talked about this on a drive up into the Emerald triangle when you're out, you know, how, um, people that were getting into vaping before vape gate happened here and the whole scare around oil. And when people are consuming oil, I'd always have people hit me up because I'm kind of like that, that resident expert amongst several networks and friends. And they'd be like, well, why is this? You know, I'm hitting this pen. I love it because then I don't have to buy 30, 40 bucks in alcohol. When I'm at the club. I love how I can just sneak it in in the bathroom, whatever. But it's like, I'll hit it. I'll hit it. Then all of a sudden I'm just like, like spacing out. Like it's just a random high. And I'm like, yeah, because all you're getting is really the cannabinoids. There might be a little bit of terpenes, depending on which, right? We've talked about this between, you know, being ethanol or, or CO2 or BHO. But the point being is that it's not whole plant. When you process it, if you're doing, if you're doing, you know, live resin, if you're doing flash frozen, and, and I love that movement that came about on the West Coast where it's like, just squash it, like just solventless, yeah. totally solventless. You don't need like... A little bit of heat and, and a little bit of pressure, you get your diamonds, you know, <laughs> kind of fun pun for talking to someone in South Africa. But um, that's the thing that people just didn't understand is it was just this random high. And it's like you said, there's there's not enough of that profile there to create the true entourage effect. So it's a great high and then a, and then a bad low that comes out of it oftentimes. Like you said, that side effect, which is so unfortunate, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's so that's that's a prohibition problem, you know. Yeah. It's because you can't you can't keep it in the right conditions because it's too scary to hold, you know, that much flour. So you know, cash is much easier to hide. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's a, I know I go back to I'm like that's kind of true. I mean, even friends they're sitting on many pounds. I'm like, well, you can always squeeze it. I mean, that's like you said, it's easier just to keep it in that. Because if, if you're not, you need a lot of Bovida for a lot of pounds, which love them again, being a sponsor and, and definitely, you know, support what they're doing to maintain the quality and consistency of this flower, because it is biomass that's degradating as soon as you pull it off of its life force, which is the plant. So like anything else, when you pulled away from, you know, from that life force, it's got enemies, which are oxygen, light, 
in moisture content. And if you don't have those spot on, it's not going to be a great shelf life. It's not, and not to say you can't still smoke the plant. I mean, THC converts to CBN eventually, which is a yeah. very great relaxant, helps uh, with pain. And, and I believe it helps with sleep. Some people question what studies, but I don't know. Anything that's been high in content with CBN for me has been great night's sleep. Um, so it's not like it isn't still good. It's just not the way it was meant to be consumed, like like you're saying, which is an excellent point. Yeah. So very cool. I think it's, it's quite a fascinating thing that it does change along the way. There's so much that we that we still have to learn from all of this. Um, and just combinations, like uh, that's just the things we we know right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's fascinating. but And then it works so differently with each person. So that, that's also where it becomes a little bit difficult for big corporates to, to you know, make it in this because, you know, you're giving something to one person and it works great for that one person yep. because they were in the right set and setting, you know, so, and that's, that's great. But you give the same thing to another person and it's not the right set setting. Right. It's not the same thing, you know, completely yeah. different. They go down a dark hole and they are completely put off for the rest of their lives. And that's, uh, that's, I totally agree with you. And that's where I kind of question. There's a few companies, one that's a very trendy brand that has orange packaging. I'll just leave it at that. But there's, there's one in California that they went by way in being a marketer. I, I do pay attention to these things. They went by way of experiential to explain, you know, and they're not the only ones others have got into, I've come to, you know, uplifting, relaxing, better sleep night out, you know, I mean, like all these, if you're wanting something to, when you go to the club or if you want something when you're going to bed or if you want something more euphoric, um, they, they put it by way of experiential and it's kind of a fail. Cause like you said, I mean, we all have endocannabinoid systems. I'm explaining that all the time to people like, this is great. We have a system that can actually uptake this, this phenomenal, you know, plant. But um, the way that our body processes that the same, I hate comparing this industry to alcohol or this plant to alcohol, but it's the same with alcohol, right? How you respond to a shot of vodka versus me or the next individual uh, can be very different based on our metabolism and our kidney and liver and our stomach's empty or full. There's so many variables, right? And what the outcome is yeah. that always surprised me that people were like, um, even Ed, I don't know, I'm trying to remember if you, did you meet Ed Rosenthal when you're out here? Did we get a chance to bump into him? Nah, oh, okay. I didn't influence right. So um, Ed's why, well, Ed's partner, uh, Jane, she's phenomenal. Uh, her and I were talking about Ed's Stardust. Yeah, he, he actually, he sold it off, but he had this essentially like a crystalline you'd add, you know, it'd be activated in hot water. Um, so I do like an herbal tea with it. And I was talking to her and I was like, yeah, I love it because it's just, it's this little packet. It's very unassuming. No one knows, you know, what I'm consuming. Uh, but the fact that I can just mix it with my, my herbal tea at night, relax, get a good night's sleep. And she's like, that's so funny. She's all because I mix it in my tea in the morning before I start cleaning the house. What <laughs> like, could that be any more opposite? You know, you saying that it's essentially a, kind of an upper for lack of a better term and, and me kind of pointing out how it's more of a, a downer and a relaxant. And I, again, I think that's just one example of how we still need to figure out so much about this plant and how we consume it when we consume it, where we consume it, what the outcomes are, the variables. So um, definitely all good stuff. But man, I got to tell you, it's time always flies catching up with you, my friend, and we have to catch up some more. Uh, I am going to have to grab a few quotes from you for this next column uh, article that I'm doing on Africa. Um, but it's always a pleasure. It's great to see you. I know you've been through a tough year. I mean, everyone's been through a tough year, but you and I can empathize on some things that you've been through. And I'm glad to see you're doing well, man. And you're always in my thoughts. 
and uh, am definitely stoked to have you, you know, being well and, and as a friend, because again, you know, it's all about good vibes and it's all about moving onward and upward. So, you know, I appreciate the time Absolutely. and we'll keep it. And I don't know when I'm trying to figure I'm, I'm, ha I'm guessing you're probably not going to make it out here for MJ biz or Emerald cup anytime soon. So, um, but maybe we'll have to meet in Spain or, or Europe or something. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to, I can't wait for the day that we can do all go back to normal. I don't know if it will come back to normal we don't know yeah yeah but um, <laughs> not 100 it's gonna be yeah i think there's definitely gonna be a market for like little tips people are not gonna share joints like they did you know in previous yeah. i don't know maybe they do I don't know. Yep. No, well, I, I think <laughs> pinners and dog walkers are definitely the wave of the future, the, the single, the single consumption, but I think you can still have the community setting and still enjoy it together. And, and again, I think to your point, we'll get to a new, a new norm here soon and be in a better place. But yeah. man, again, I just want to thank you and uh, definitely we'll be in touch uh, to all of our listeners. I want to thank you as well. Uh, it's always a pleasure for you to be a part of our conversations and uh, until next week, it's all about good vibes. Be good to yourself and each other, and we'll catch up again soon. Talk to you then. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.